Guys, my friend Andy's going to come up. He's going to read the scripture tonight. Andy's an absolute legend. He's running the football, so don't give him any jip. You need a mic, mate, don't you? Let's get him a mic. It's all going wrong tonight. I'm, I'm my bad. Yeah, go for it, mate. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. It should be up on the, on the screen. So Ephesians 4, chapter 17, starting there. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God, and they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every kind of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into the conduct of God accurately reproduces his character in you. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. So when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. Don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you used to steal to, to, uh, to make ends meet? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, for each word is a gift. And don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. So don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backstabbing, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Amazing. Thanks, Andy. Give him a great reading. Guys, it's, it's an absolute honor to have this opportunity to speak to you tonight, and um, my prayer and my hope is that God would really speak to you guys. Like, when you come here, it's not just a camp to have fun. We want to have so much fun, but we believe, all the, all the team, all the guys that have put in all the effort to make this happen, believe and do this stuff because at one point in their life, they've encountered Christ, and he changed them from the inside out. And tonight, I want to speak about what it means to be a pure tribe what it means to be a tribe after God's own heart. There once was a pure world. There once was a world where there was perfection. There was no sin, there was no rebellion, there was no jealousy, there was no anger, there was no pride, there was no lust. 
There once was a time where purity reigned throughout the land, throughout the earth. And I believe God wants to move in this generation and call us back to that, to that call on our lives, to that, to that season and that place of, of pure living, of, of pure life, that the world would see us and think, wow, there's something different about him, something different about her. But, but humanity, somewhere along the way, if you know the beginning, the, the, the Genesis, the first book of the Bible, it speaks of God creating man and woman and them rebelling against God, them going against God's will for their life, losing connection. But do you know, guys, I want to set it straight tonight. We've all lost connection with God. I look at the world today. I see all, the Bible says in Romans uh, 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? We're all on the same page. We're all on the same playing field. No one's better, no one's worse. We, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That means basically God's standards here. And, and no matter how good we are, no matter how bad we are, we can't meet that standard. And that's not because God's a, 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 like he's, he's set himself up above us. It's not that he wants to, to make us look bad. He's just, he's got a standard and none of us can meet it. But that gives me hope tonight because I look around and I see my brothers and sisters all on the same page as me. Whether you know Jesus or whether you don't, we all start at the same place. And so tonight I want to get vulnerable. Is it okay for me to be vulnerable tonight? You up for that? This is going to be chats with friends, getting, getting a, a little bit vulnerable about my life. What, I, what was going through my life when I was a teenager, when I was a young child. And so tonight I'm going to put on a rucksack. Because this is going to illustrate my life. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to tell you these stones illustrate things that went on in my life, in my childhood, in my teenage years, just like yourselves, young people and adults. We've all got a past. But you know, we can, we, we've got positive parts of our past, we've got negative parts. And you know, I believe so much of humanity holds more onto the negative. That's why they say when you want to tell someone off, You've got to tell them the positive before you tell them the negative because they, everyone holds on to the negative. You, you with me? Yeah, you've all had that chat with a friend and they just get negative straight away and you're like crushed. And then they say, but no, you're a really good guy. And, it, it's, and you, you just don't hear it because some, for some reason we just hear the negative. And I want to talk about a bit about my life and how the things that happened to me growing up in my, teen, in my youth and my teenage years, they shaped me and molded me because I held on to them. One of the first things that happened in my life is when I was born, pretty much the day I was born, my mum got severe depression and um, uh, she got a thing called bipolar. And so that means when I grew up, my mum was like, one day she was like literally like going mental in the house, like praising and worshipping. And I grew up in a Christian family singing like cause. Does anyone know the cause? <laughs> I would love to love you like you do to me. Yeah, that one. All the oldies in the room, like born in the 80s and, and, and further back, would know that. But my mum would be, yeah, and then the next day I'd get home and she wouldn't have got out of bed. And so when my mum got this illness, I put on him my mum's illness because there was part of me that when I was born, I thought, well, before I was born, my mum didn't have that illness. So maybe I was a contributing factor to her illness. And you know, no one ever told me that. My mum never sat me down and said, Zeke, you've made me ill. No, that didn't happen. It's just life happens and things come across our path and we choose to believe them or we don't. So as a young lad, as, as even a young ch child, I, I just put that in my life and I held on to it and it became 
a little weight in my life. Um, okay, I'm going to get really intimate and obvious. Have we got any bedwetters in the room? No one's going to admit that, but I'm going to make it right. Cool, brother. I'm with you. How old are you? 14. Still, still might need a nappy, but it's okay. Because let me tell you about my... Oh, sorry, I didn't... Are you cool with that? Great, great. Okay, me and my wife, when, we, when me and my wife, my beautiful wife Ellie, um, you, um, but when we got together, I remember like one of our first dates, I'm sure it was one of our first dates, we shared this intimate detail that we both wet the bed to as like 12, and, um, and it's, it's, it might seem really random, but, but, but you know, I literally wet the bed till I was 12 years old, and it was embarrassing because I was coming on to year eight, guys, year eight, high school and I'm still wet in the bed. I'll never forget a conversation that my parents were having in the front of the car, and my dad's like thinking I couldn't hear. You know when parents have that conversation? They think you can't hear, but mum and dad, you're talking about me. I can hear you. I'm in the same car as you. Yeah, we've had that conversation. If you haven't, you, are, you trust me, you will have at some point. And, and my dad's like, I cannot take this, Kim. I cannot take this. She said, don't be stupid, Rod. Don't be stupid. And, she, and he's like, he's still wet in the bed. We, I'm just, like, look, tonight I'm going out and buying king-size nappies. I, bear in mind, I'm like 12 years old. It's getting a bit crazy. But on a serious note, I could never, at 11 years old, I would have never come to DTI because I was, I was actually anxious that I might wet the bed. And, and I remember my sister said, like, oh, Zeke's, Zeke's a bed wetter. But, like, on, I know I'm mucking around about it, but that was, became something that I held on. And I think I still wet the bed because it was like a psychological thing and stuff going on in my... Anyway, I'll, keep, I'll move on because this isn't a therapy session. But the... the, the, the um, does anyone hate reading in, in school? Yeah, man. You know, your hands go clammy, your heart starts beating a bit faster... And you're like, please. But in, growing up in Australia, teachers used to single you out. Do they do that in England? Yeah. yeah. Ezekiel, can you come to the front of the class and read to the class? I'm like, hide me, swallow me up ground. Please, I don't want to do this. And I remember that, just getting up in front of the class and reading. And I was a rubbish reader. I was shocking. But it, it, for some reason, it caused me major anxiousness going to school. And so, as a young lad, I just started hating school, just because of one thing. Like, I hardly ever read, but I'd, I'd get nervous about going to school every day, just in case the teacher would, would ask me to read. Have anyone been in that place? That's, that's good honesty. Um, another thing about my life, I hope this doesn't bore you, but I believe, and, and you know, one of the guys, Aaron... Um, one of the core team, Aaron from Birmingham, he prayed for me before I started. And he said, Zeke, as you share your story, it's going to unlock stuff in people's hearts. And so the only reason why I want to share bits of my story is because I want to share to you about the, the, the stuff I've been through, but the freedom that Christ has given to me through his life, his death, his resurrection. And um, we'll go on to talk about this. But this is a random one. I don't know if you guys have had any diseases, born with any diseases. Um, I, I grew up with eczema, and it was so bad, like proper, like all over my arms, all over my neck, like all over my body, really. And I remember this time in high school when like, it was, I was getting proper insecure about it. I would never wear a T-shirt and shorts, even though it was really hot growing up in Sydney. And, and I remember this guy goes, Oi, Zeke, I'm going to give you a, a new nickname. And I'm like, what's that? I'm going to call you Patch because you've got like patches on your arms and on your legs. And like, honestly, man, that like proper hurt my feelings. 
Has anyone ever said anything to you that they thought was funny, but it actually really hurt your feelings? Should be everyone in the room. Because if you don't have your hand up, I just think you're not being real. You know, words are powerful. They stick in in our minds and in our lives, and they become a heavy weight. I've got one sister. Her name's Rebecca. And um, my, my sister's, she's so beautiful. Next to my wife, Ellie, she's like, She's so beautiful. God loves her so much. But you know, when I was growing up as a young lad, I was jealous of my sister because I had like problems with my skin and she was beautiful and had perfect skin and all of that kind of stuff. And then she started to become a model. And so to make myself feel better, I'd call her fat. And it it sounds funny, right? But when you keep saying that over someone, they start to believe it. She wasn't fat, but she believed it started having anorexia, not eating, and then eventually bulimia. She'd throw up two, three times a day, every meal. And because my room was next to the bathroom, sometimes as I got older, I would realize what she was doing, and I'd hear her throwing up outside the door. And, and it, it broke my heart, man, when one day she was like, our family was freaking out because she kept throwing up, and it was really tearing us apart. And I'm like, why don't you just stop? She said, how can I stop when you're one of the reasons why I became like this? I was like, whoa. Words are powerful, man. But I remember that time realizing that maybe I contributed my sister's uh, eating disorder. I just put that in my, in, my, in my life and I carried it around with me. Uh, any footballers in the room? That is not convincing. There's more. F- Come on, how, who's a footballer? Seriously, have we got that little footballers in the room? Okay, fair enough. Right, I love football. That's why I came to this country. I had a trial with Millwall. Any Millwall fans in the room? Yeah, boo, because they're rubbish. But anyway, 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 that was my life. Football was my life. And I remember growing up, I'd always get selected to be the t- in the top 20 of the whole state of New South Wales. It's a big state. It's the biggest state in, in Australia. It's the most populated state. And I would get down to the final 20. But then they didn't, have, like, they didn't do emails so much when I was younger. And they'd write you a letter to say you've been accepted into the team or you've been rejected. Three years on the, in a row, I always got into the last 20. But I never made the cut for the last 16. And I remember the letter would also... Th- Say it would always say thanks Ezekiel Rink for for your trial, but unfortunately on this occasion you've not been accepted. And do you know what that said to me? It said you're good man, but you're not good enough. And I carried that round, and it became an insecurity. And I thought, but I'm going to try and try and try and try and try and impress coaches and impress my friends and see how good I can be at football. But it was never enough. And in the end, it just became one big challenge in my life, a weight that I carried around. Um, again, sharing about my upbringing. I hope this, are you with me guys? You with me? Yeah, I hope some of you are relating to this because I know that some of you, most of you, almost all of you will, be, have, will have stuff that God's actually bringing up to the surface right now in your life. And I tell you, he's faithful and he wants to deal with it tonight. So if he brings up memories right now, don't, don't like press it down. Let it stay there. Because God's going to heal you and he's going to deal with you tonight and he's going to take that burden as, as we share and as we pray. One of the things that um, 
growing up with a mum with mental health, like my mum would go literally crazy. She'd fight my dad like physically, swear, go mental. But sometimes when she was really worked up, she'd literally stand in the kitchen and smash plates everywhere. It was chaos, like going absolutely crazy. And, um, and I remember that like made me so angry that my mum would just do that and then just we'd go to talk and then she'd walk off, slam the door and just ne- not talk to us. And it, it built up anger inside of me. It became another weight. But you know what? And I know this is, this is the biggest stone that, that, that sort of came to me in my teens. I remember going around a friend's place. We were actually, um, my parents went to like a home group. Any parents, kids of parents going to home groups, life groups, whatever. Yeah, while my parents were talking about Jesus, we were in the computer room looking at pornography. How random's that? But, but it, was, it was just crazy. At like 11 years old, we, we, like the, I started getting exposed. And statistics say that any, everyone under 16 in this generation pretty much will have been exposed to pornography. Do you know? And, and it's messed up, man. It like screwed up my, my understanding of women. It screwed up my understanding of sex. It like, it's self-love, you know. You, you really like, it's just you're on your own looking at the stuff. And it messed up my life and it became a massive addiction. It became a massive weight in my life. Something that it took years to shift. What I thought was a joke with my mates um, later on, years on, year on year, it actually like, was really unhelpful for my life and the way I saw women. Even becoming a youth pastor, a struggle that I, 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 went, I carried through my, my teens and even into my 20s. One of the things we all do it. We all love a good F-bomb, an S-bomb. You, you know what I mean. But it's like, why do we swear? I don't know. Just It's what the culture does. But I became, as a teenager, really good at following the crowd instead of going against the crowd because it's hard to go against the crowd. See, most of you might swear. You might think, is swearing really wrong? Well, can we not think of other words to describe our emotions? We need to up our vocabulary, people, don't we? You know what I mean. Just following the crowd, just another weight in my life. Two more, we're almost there, guys. Thanks for your patience. Hatred, anger, unforgiveness. At 16 years old, my mum sat me and my sister down and she said, Zeke, Rebecca, I want to tell you something. Over the last three years, I've been having an affair with another man. Flipping heck, mate, that crushed me. I hated my mum for years for that. I couldn't believe that my dad was out working really hard and my mum was running off with another man. One of the most painful things, I know there'll be so many people that will have been affected by um, affairs, uh, maybe your parents that have gone off with other people. Hey, I'm not, not condemning them, but it really affects the next generation. And I believe God wants to heal people, young people tonight that have been affected by their parents' divorce or, or affairs or whatever, because he's, he's a good father and he knows how to heal that. But that, that made me harbor anger, unforgiveness towards my mum. Final one. Growing up in a, in a church and, and growing up going to, like learning about sex and relationships, I said to myself, do you know what? I think I will. I think I want to be a virgin. And I remember when I was 16, I actually gave my life to Jesus. I'll tell you about that in a minute. I, I decided 
that I was going to be a proud Christian at school. I was going to go for it. I wasn't just going to go 50%. I was going to go 100%. So I decided when I became a Christian, I'd tell all my mates that I was going to go be a virgin until I got married. That was like social suicide, guys. If you want to be a virgin, I'd encourage you not to tell all your mates that don't understand that at school. Or, or, or I would just go out and say it because it's all good. But what, what, <laughs> um, but, what, but what happened, yeah, is because I'd made that good commitment in my life, people were like maybe people hadn't done that. And they would say to me, but see, what if you never meet the right person? What if no one ever wants to like, be with you and you end up like the 40-year-old virgin? And like, but honestly, guys, those comments, they stuck with me, man. I carried them around. I locked them up in my life. And, and because they said, what if, I started to take something good and positive and like spin it around and think, man, maybe I, I shouldn't. Maybe I should. Like, and it, it, it really, really made me question my, my good decision. But guys, you get the picture, yeah? Teenage years, I was carrying around a lot of weight. And I know there's a lot of you in this room that are exactly in the same position that I was years ago. Even tonight, you've come to DTI. Drink break. <clears throat> Even tonight, you've come to DTI. You've come this weekend and you're carrying around heavy, heavy weight. You've got anger, you've got frustration, you've got hatred towards people. You're hurting yourself for no reason. But I want to tell you tonight about a man named Jesus who came to this earth 2,000 years ago. He lived a sinless, spotless life. He, he, he hung out with people and showed them the way. He showed them how to live a pure life. He raised up a generation that became pure again and that want, longed after pure things. And tonight I want to introduce you to my friend Jesus because at 16 years old, I, got, I truly decided to give my life to him. But the thing is, Jesus will, can be your best friend. All he asks of you is that you follow him. He'll never let you down. He'll never hurt you. He'll never mess your life up. I believe things need to change for this generation. I believe that, that some of us, or many of us, need to lay down our burdens that we're carrying. I believe that God wants to raise up a generation that know and love Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing if this room was filled with people who wanted to, who, who wanted to swim upstream against the tide, that there was a tribe that swam against the tide? Do you like that one? Write that down. It's a keeper. It'll be famous one day. No. Wouldn't it be amazing if God, if we let God take our lives and raise up a generation that knew and loved Jesus? And I believe that's what God wants to do. I want to read this scripture that Andy read earlier. So can we get it just back on the screen? Same scripture. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 17.
This is God speaking to us tonight, guys. His word is true. His word is alive. You know, the Bible is described as, as a sword, that it cuts through to people's hearts, that when we read it, it inspires us, it speaks to us. God knows our motives, he knows our thoughts, he knows our intentions, and when we read the Bible, because it's his word mixed with his spirit, it speaks into our lives. So listen up to this. The old way has to go. In order for us to be a generation that goes back to the call of God on our lives, a pure life, a pure tribe, the old way has to go. This way, it has to go. The old way, the old mindsets, the old thoughts, the old intentions, they need to go because God wants to clear our minds and clear our lives and start again afresh. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore, feel no pain. They let themselves go in sexual obsession, addiction to every sort of perversion. <clears throat> but that's no life for you. You've learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have, an, have the excuse of ignorance. We can't pretend we don't know this, guys. Everything, and I do mean everything connected with the old way of life, has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and take on an entirely new life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside out, working itself into our conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie, you lie to others, and then you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead, be angry. You do well to get angry, but don't use your anger to fuel revenge. Don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you, use, did you used to make it, uh, ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. <clears throat> Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. S say only what helps each word a gift. <clears throat> Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break from all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God forgave you. You see, this is the word of God and it's speaking to people tonight. Do you know what? At 16, I'd had enough. My, my rucksack was full. My life was full of full of negative stuff, stuff that I'd chosen to think and believe. And that weight was getting too uh, heavy to carry. And in a night like this, when I was sat in a church, the preacher man was saying things that were touching my heart. The preacher man was saying things that were speaking to me. And my heart was pumping. And my palms were getting sweaty. My knees were weak. 
No, no, I'm not going to do that. No, but, but, but I, was, I, was, I was feeling what he was saying. I was connecting with what he was putting out there. And I found myself on a journey that night to the cross. I found myself on the journey where I got to see my Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, what he did. I understood that night what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. See, what he did on the cross is he took humanity's sin, shame, hurt, all the stuff that came in when we rejected God. All of us, we're all on the same page. He took all of that on himself when he died at Calvary. And as he breathed his last breath, he said, it is finished. He said, it's finished. What's finished, guys? The power of sin over our lives. The weight that we, some of us, all of us carry for so long in our lives. The, 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 the stuff that's killing teenagers. Stuff that they're carrying that they're not telling to anyone. And then thinking about killing themselves. Jesus took that. Jesus took that pain. He took it as he hung on the cross. And that night, what I decided to do is I decided to make Jesus number one in my life. I didn't know all the answers. I didn't know the future. But what I decided to, in that moment, I was going to take off my burden. And I was going to lay it at the cross of Jesus. Because he took on our burdens and he took on our pains. And he took on our life, that we, the, uh, the stuff that we were carrying. And do you know what the Bible says? In Ephesians, it says what Paul's saying to people is he's saying to these Christians, hey, take off the old life. We need to take it off. But you know, when we take stuff off, we're able to put other stuff on. And you know, in exchange for my rubbish, in exchange for all my baggage that night, Jesus gave me a new start. He gave me a clean slate. The Bible says he clothes us with righteousness. He clothes us with righteousness. Do you know what that means? It means that when he clothes us with his righteousness, that means we stand before God clean. Who wants a piece of that tonight? Come on. Come on. And guys, this is real. This is real. Do you know that night I decided at 16 I was going to put off the weight that I was carrying and put on Christ's righteousness. I know I'm getting changed again, but hopefully this is. But, but this is just demonstrating what Jesus did to me. He gave me a new start. He gave me a clean break. <laughs> he, he gave me a fresh start. And tonight, I believe God wants to give some of you guys a clean start. Yeah? He wants to give you a new opportunity to get yourself right with Him. Because the old can go and the new will come. Do you know tonight, the, the Bible says in... in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, if anyone is in Christ, that means that they've put off their old life, they've taken up a new life in Him. Forgiven, set free, forgiven of sin, forgiven of shame. That, that if anyone is, is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And tonight, I want to give people an opportunity. Every night so far, and even this morning, when Dan spoke, we're talking about being a tribe. We're talking about being basically a generation of people who are coming together under one name, Jesus Christ. And Him being Lord. And saying, do you know what? I'm a young person. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But one thing I know, I trust this Jesus guy. And I want to follow Him because He's decent. And he lived a pure life. And because he, he has paved a way for me. 
And so I want to follow him. I'm following all this other stuff, but tonight I want to give you an opportunity to follow Jesus. You might be sat there thinking, but I'm not, I can't ever be pure. I don't even want to tell people what I've done. Zeke, you don't even want to know what I've done. Trust me, it's not dark enough for Christ. It's not dark enough for Jesus because he plunged the depths of darkness. He plunged the depths of sin so that we may have life. This is what I dream, guys. This is my dream. Imagine that there was a tribe of people, the next generation that knew and loved Jesus. Imagine if, if all 1,000 of us knew this. Imagine if there was a generation that decided that they were called to purity and didn't get stuck into the, to all the self-centeredness. Imagine if a generation rose up that stopped following the trends and started wholeheartedly following Jesus. Imagine if a generation stopped hiding their faith and started sharing it. Imagine if this generation of young Christians were known for their love for others, their faith, their purity, their pure language and speech, the fact that they didn't gossip and stab each other in the back, even in places like this. Imagine, guys, if that existed and it can exist, the world would stop and look. The world would stop and look. The reason why more people aren't becoming Christians is because they don't like the, the Christ they're seeing in others. Capture that for a second. The greatest form of atheism is not people don't believe in God. It's when people say, hey, I'm a Christian, they walk out of their front door and they deny Jesus with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. I believe there's a generation coming that will, will honor God. I believe that there's a generation rising up that will follow Jesus wholeheartedly and the world will look at them, the world will be inspired by them and the world will do the same. Does anyone believe that? Come on. Come on. 